1: Welcome back to another episode of the Flowline. Matt, how are you doing this wonderful day? Doing pretty
0: good, but I haven't been able to get off this allergy medicine. So, oh boy, we're still in that space.
1: <laughs> nice. Well, we're not going to do any, uh, well, I don't even know what you want to call it, but we're not going to continue we're gonna get on the salty. Yeah, no salty talk. We're not getting, why does Matt hate? Which, although eh, you may have walked away from what we're about to talk about and, and sometimes have not really been too pleased. I mean, aside from what we're going to talk about today, which is conferences, I think it's important, Matt. You attend a lot of conferences. I've been to a few. There's a lot of value that you can capture from going to conferences, but there's also a lot of spinning your wheels and kind of walking around aimlessly being like, why did I spend all this money to come to this? And what am I getting out of this? And what am I going to provide back to the either the company or your peers or whatever the case may be? So I think it'd be cool to kind of talk about conferences, what different types of conferences are, and really just how to prepare to maximize your time at conferences. I think so. I mean, the thing is... There are dedicated fluids conferences.
0: You've heard me talk about them. There are also just general drilling conferences where they talk about fluids, but you also learn about other important things with the drilling process or kind of round everything out. And so I think there is a way to get the most out of it. And I think if you know we kind of kick that around, it's another way to grow in your drilling fluids education.
1: It is. The cool thing about them is a lot of times they'll have interesting venues. You know, and if you're fortunate enough to be able to travel, to go to different cities that have them, you know, in oil and gas, they're kind of your standard Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Midland, Tulsa, Oklahoma city. Like there's only about a handful really that you're going to kind of go through, but globally, if you're a company that does work overseas, I mean, I've seen and heard some conferences that are overseas that are sort of next level, which I've never been. Have you been to a conference overseas? Yeah, I mean, that was the one great thing back in the day with the old
0: formation damage conference, as we called it. When I published papers, I got to present. So I got to present a paper in Budapest, which was really neat. And I presented a paper outside the Netherlands. And that was just a really cool experience. So yes, they're all over. There's a number in the Middle East, Asia Pacific, you name it. There's regional gatherings and even the SPE drilling conference, which we'll talk about a little bit. They alternate between Europe and the States internationally and domestically every year, every other year. So like this year it's in Norway and
1: last year was in Houston. Would you say, so again, I'm somewhat, you know, in my own bucket here and in Canada too, but a lot of the stuff we do here is a great opportunity. Like, yes, there's great speakers and cool presentations and maybe some like equipment set up so you can visually see it. But a lot of it is for the party. Is that similar overseas or is it more business focused? Like, do you recall
0: I would say it's a very similar type arrangement. Oh. You know, a lot of entertaining, a lot of, I mean, I mean, we'll get into it, but one of the reasons that you go to a conference is because of everybody else who's there. Yeah. It may not even be the speakers or whatever. It's a time where all the right people are in the right place. Mm-hmm. There's definitely elements of that. Some of the very niche ones that are a little bit smaller, it's like, this is the who's who every time. And yeah. so you most definitely want to be a part of
1: that. Most definitely. Yeah. Let's dive in. I mean, we already dive, dove into it, but let's carry on through, you know, the kind of the system here. So first and foremost, I think it would be good to identify the different types of conferences because it's kind of a loose term, right? Oh, you're going to a conference, well, what type and who's going to be there? Is it operator focus? Is it completions? You know, this, that, and the other. So help identify the different types of conferences.
0: I think the first category I would break it up into would be first uh, kind of like a, a technical conference, which is most of what I attend. So this is where you're looking at the latest new technology, advances in things. Usually there's some papers presented and proceedings that you can read in advance or that like a paper is published associated with this, Mm -hmm. but not all of them. Some of the other ones that are technical could also just be sort of like everybody's in the same room the whole time and you just have different speakers lined up. And that can be pretty interesting, especially it's usually a smaller group, which can be nice. Yeah. But then the other major category I put in is is like the business ones. They're focused on sort of business prospects, markets. This is usually your opportunity to hear from CEOs of oil and gas companies or oil field services companies, kind of thought leaders on policy or the big picture of where a market is headed. They might not make you a better drilling fluid specialist, but they will help give you an idea of where the decision makers are going. yeah, And tied to either one of those, they're usually not always an exhibition hall. So the exhibition hall, people pay for a booth to hawk their wares or be present or what have you. And so you get some extra time to kind of walk that exhibition hall floor and you can sort of have these one-on-one conversations with different people, which can be very helpful. And I think it's good to know who you want to go see a lot of times walking around, you'll come across something you don't know much about yeah. and you can sort of corner somebody and say, hey, tell me more about this or how does this work? So that's kind of the general breakdown. The only other thing I'd add is these can be very, very specialized, as I think we've alluded to earlier, Right, where a technical conference can be just on oil field chemistry or just on fracturing business. Same way. It can just be transactional in North America. It could be bigger and different and that sort of thing. And specialization can be very good if that's kind of your bag, or you may want something that's broader and more general to kind of get a broader picture than just your field of specialization.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's good. And like you said, we could dive into each one of these because- Under each one of these has multiple different categories, but generally speaking, I think it hits it on the head. You've got the three major ones and then us on the drilling fluid space. And obviously there's certain ones that we like to target, but without going too deep into that piece of it, what are some good reasons? Like Matt, you obviously have a team of people that work with you. What are some of the reasons that when you're looking at a conference, you think, hmm, that's a good reason to go to XYZ or for you, because you tend to focus on both the technical and the business side. What are some of the reasons that you feel are important to go to some of these? So I think
0: on the technical presentations are always interesting. If they apply, it's interesting to see what other people are saying. Hey, this is what's new and what's next. I will say there's an element of this that as you age and go through these, you get a little bit more cynical because everything's sort of pitched as revolutionary and yeah. many things are forgotten about. But all that being said... The technical presentations are great, not only for, even if the content isn't that exciting, they're great conversation pieces, especially with other, your peers in the industry that are also there and hear it. Think about, you know, we're on the service company side, but a lot of experts from within operators are there as well. And you can kind of, Hey, what did you think about this? And maybe they're particularly interested in technology and you can pay attention and say, you know what, I'm going to follow up with you on that the technical aspect of not only being aware of let's say what the competition is working on what the industry in general is working on and then being able to think about how you're involved those can be really interesting and eye opening because there's always something pretty good it might not be every paper but there will be a couple that you walk away with and
1: say i'm holding on to this one this was a good learning experience right individually us as you know people representing aes can go to different conferences but i'm curious like because there's probably I would say weekly, different organizations coming to you being like, Matt, does AES want to sponsor and come and represent AES at a show? Sort of on the flip side, as companies, we can also participate in these conferences. I don't know if you want to save that for later, but I'm curious kind of from your perspective and maybe even the listeners, like how do we as a company decide, we you know which conferences do we go to participate in? because we kind of are affected by a lot of different things, whether it's just high level drilling. I mean, heck, even directional, we could probably participate in to some degree. Of course, fluids, solids control. I mean, how do you sort of look at different conferences and decide, okay, there's actually value here for us as a company to participate. And here's what we can do to, to, again, be part of the conference. I think, you know, one for us is
0: if we think it's a good conference, we probably will at least try and present a paper. That doesn't mean we'll get it, but those are the kinds of places we would probably end up at. Yeah. If we have an idea of people that we would want to run into and the chance to see them, we would probably make a point of attending. There's opportunities for sponsorship and some of these other things. And we don't generally do booths anymore unless it's like a fluids conference where fluids advisors might be looking for us. And there's a couple of good reasons for that. But if you think about it, it's expensive enough and disruptive enough to bring one person to a conference to present a paper or maybe a couple. Yeah. But when you have a booth, you need coverage for all day. You need all the money to transport all of your equipment. Some of these places will charge tens of thousands of dollars for a presence. At that point, you say, you know, what if I just take kind of the people I really want to see out to dinner one night or right. let me create some better space for them because that's a lot more cost effective than spending what could be thirty or $40,000 to have all these people here. Not that it's not good for them to get to experience some of these things as well if they haven't before. Yeah. But it's a tricky beast. And I would just say like the frustrating thing, at least with the ones that support the students the best, let them in for free. And I don't have an issue with that. I have an issue with all of the people who are working the booth being approached by a student who wants a job who has no idea what we do. Like, your first introduction shouldn't be walking up to my booth and asking me for a job and then asking what we do. That sort of thing limits our, like, wow, if that's the kind of bandwidth that's going to get tied up. However, when I talk about vendors, I do go look for them when they have their booth. And I'm always curious about other things they're working on, things that might not actually apply to drilling fluids, but maybe might give me an idea. Mm -hmm. So it's a little tricky there. Yeah. But that's kind of where tying back, that's a lot of the exhibition hall kind of application. Yeah. I guess. When you get into the more business-driven, and they're not always the – so like a technical conference, you may hear from the CEO of a company. They may try and put a bend on it that is more technical, like yeah. here are some innovations we're developing. Right. But a lot of people – I mean, AD Fluids Conference, we had Richard Spears come talk. Right. He talked about capital discipline. He didn't talk about some differentiated technology, but that was a bunch of fluids people. Yeah. But we also want to know if we're going to have a job tomorrow. So like they can cross over, but generally, you know, the business conferences with the business presentations will traditionally be very focused on markets and expectations. Nape, which is one you've attended as well, the business conference, among the other things they have during that week, you got to hear from CEOs of a bunch of different companies talking about, this is where we think the price of oil is headed. Yeah. This is going to be our strategy moving forward. These are things that are important to us. And these are things that aren't. And so their CEOs are going to be careful what they say. But at the same time, when you hear repetition between a bunch of different ones, say, ah, this is the business strategy here. Maybe AES should design products that fall in line with that business strategy.
1: Yeah, no, again, I think having exposure to that and having folks attend a lot of these conferences for us, it's important. And because we have the amount of people that we can kind of spread out and pick and choose and divide and conquer, if you will. Again, I think there's a ton of value in it and every conference that I go to, I run into someone that was like, ah, that was a meaningful touch point with someone. And then you can continue whether it's conversation or you can line up the next meeting or you can get introduced to people who you otherwise would have never met being here or wherever you are, but you have to be. And again, I over time, and like you said, the older I've gotten, the more experience I've got, I've I've been a bit more intentful and purposeful about how I go and It's not just an opportunity to like run around and grab free pens and stuff, which back in the day, it was like anything free was awesome, right? Yeah, as long as it's not bolted down, it's mine, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it's very interesting. And so with that, and we're very fortunate here in Houston, like we don't have to buy plane tickets to go to Houston. And I'm pretty sure there's a conference again this week. There was one, I know there is a conference this week. I was talking to someone, they're going to a conference this week. Anyway, I say all that to say there is challenges and costs associated with attending these, depending on how many people you want to go participate But Matt, how would you sort of add some color to some of the challenges to going aside? You know, again, there's cost, but what else is there that, you know, especially for you with your team, I mean, I'm sure you'd love for your team to go visit all these conferences all the time and gather up as much info and learn as possible, but the reality is we just can't, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, cost is a big one, right? Travel can be, you know, I think you sort of said tongue in cheek, like, well, there's only like five places in the U.S. that there's a conference and it's either going to be like Houston or Oklahoma City or something. Sure, yeah. And that's sort of true, but my observation has been certain big conferences like the SPE annual conference, the more worried people are about the price of oil, the closer they get to Houston (laughs) or like within driving distance, you know, Fort Worth or San Antonio or something like that. Yeah. And then they'll, if things are going well for a little while, they'll be like, let's do it someplace nice. You know, there's an element of that. I think just... That helps preserve attendance and make it easy for a a quorum to break out of everybody who's able to go. That's a good point. Yeah, travel. I mean, I've been asked, hey, would you submit an abstract to some place in the Middle East? And it's one of those, like, I'd love to go to Dubai on business and catch up with some people I know over there. But the fact is, like, we just can't get enough juice out of that. Right. So we're strategic in where we go. And yeah, so the travel can be a big part of it and the time, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not just that you're sitting in a conference for two days. It's that you're not at your desk replying to emails or answering questions. So it's like you're working, but you're out. One of the most stressful things about that was always you can see the emails piling up and you pull away whenever you can and stay on top of things, but Mm -hmm. you're probably out late at networking events. Like it's very disruptive. And so you want to be strategic and... What are the areas that are gonna have the biggest impact into the way we do things? And what are the best opportunities for us to be visible to the people that we want to see us? Right. If you really wanted to go to one of these conferences, one of the best ways is present a paper. You could be a mud engineer, but you could be an account manager. You could be any level. If you had a cool case history with an operator or just even that you did on your own and you submit that abstract and it gets accepted, You got your work, you got to write the paper, you got to do all this other stuff, but like your reward generally is, yeah, you get to go to the conference and learn some things and attend. And I would add that, unfortunately, you learn the most at the most junior level, but at the most junior level, you're the least likely to get permission or the budget approval to do it. Mm -hmm. And so there's a balance there of, I saw early in my career getting to go to these conferences when I started presenting papers was just the, wow, this is what it's all about. Right. But now it's
1: been much more like, these are the people I'm here to see. Yeah. You make a good point too. And I think for me, that's one thing that I've recognized and I can appreciate working for AES is that, and especially since you came on and we built out a good, strong technical team is our cooperation and participation in papers and presenting. For a long time it was, hey, let's get a booth. We gotta have a booth. And we'd all stand there. And I can't count how many commerce I stood there and just like shook hands with people and which was good. You look run into a lot of people, but to truly make an impact and position yourself as a leader within your space, or position yourself as a, you know, some people don't like to say the word, but if you want to position yourself as an expert, oftentimes the best way to do that is to present a paper. And because it is reviewed, right, by a committee. You can then often use that as a reference for certain things down the road. And so, again, it gives you that level of the industry gains confidence in what it is that you're doing, and you just sort of increase your level of credibility. And it's also a differentiator between us and other folks within the space. Hopefully, people look at us and say, we need to listen to those guys or those gals because they presented this paper. It must be true. Not a lot of times it is because there's a lot of research and a lot of lab work, perhaps, or just a lot of that data goes into to be able to put these papers together. So I think, you know, I've even had people come up to me and say, like, oh yeah, you guys presented a paper on that product. Or yeah, I remember hearing about that case that you guys presented at the AD fluids conference. And it just allows us to position ourselves a lot better than perhaps our competitors, which is awesome. But to your point, it takes a team and it takes a lot of time and resources to put these things together. And so again, I think it's great. And it's something that I've recognized as a company we've done and we've really put a lot of effort into, which is super cool.
0: Yeah, I mean... We want to drive the conversation. We don't want to be bystanders. And so I think on that side, like a booth at certain places where you're available to be seen is worth it, but probably not as many as people think. I'd rather be behind the podium telling people what I think with data and some case histories and probably a few opinions in there as well. I'd rather us as a company put ourselves out there and say, this is what we think is the latest and greatest. Fight me. no, but (laughs) Bring it. Basically say, look, we're ready to drive this conversation. It's not just that we can do this. It's that we can contribute to the industry and the thought process. And here it is on paper. And the hard part about that is most people have seen what I look like when a paper is due because it's exhausting because it needs to be good quality. It is one thing to just try and get a paper in and there's plenty of crappy papers out there or even just papers that are quote unquote serviceable, but they're not influential. And you don't know if something's going to be influential or not. That's really up to the audience. But it should be written and be of such a quality with proper references that it has a chance to do that. Right. That's a great way to tie yourself, especially in a technical conference, to be seen, to be observed. But it's a hell of a lot of work. Right. (laughs) You you can't
1: put work on pause, right? Because you're doing that in addition to your day-to-day, which can also be exhausting in itself. But again, it's very important. And I think anyone who's out there who's maybe not attended conferences... If you ever are, really pay attention to, and again, this we're going to talk about how to prepare for a conference, but anyway, figuring out who's going to be there, who's speaking, because I think that's where a lot of the juice comes from, or a lot of where the juice comes from. So Matt, I mean, for those who may not be familiar with some of the conferences that we've been to, I mean, what are some of the conferences that you look forward to each year or ones that are coming up that you're going to try to attend?
0: So coming up in April, the AAD National Technical Conference and Exhibition, Midland, Texas, I will be presenting a paper on Bayright and supply chain and sort of the chaos that the pandemic brought. Then Ricky's actually going to be presenting one as well on Aquaflex, our water-based mud. Perfect. The AD does that national technical conference every year and then every two years, but the in-between years, the fluids technical conference. And that one's obviously focused on, you know, cementing, fracturing, completion fluids, drilling fluids. And obviously we're pretty active in that one because that's kind of our bag. But then the SPE Drilling Conference is great because it's all the operators, generally it's good operator participation, and it's just focused on drilling. So it's smaller, but the right people are there. Mm -hmm. And so you can learn a lot about drilling technologies. You see a lot of familiar faces. And that last year was in Galveston. This year it's in Norway. I know it's somewhere in Texas next year, but I can't remember where. I was looking at this the other day. And the SPE ATC, your annual technical conference and exhibition, which abstract pending, you know, we hope to present a paper there possibly, but that'll be in San Antonio. That is a really big conference though. It's a very broad conference. And so there's just a small section on drilling, which means if you're in the neighborhood, it's like, I'm not going to travel really far to get to it, but it, it was in Houston this past year. I went around and walked the floor and talked to some people.
1: Yeah,
0: And then- NAPE is a you know North American prospect expo. I think they just call it NAPE, like they got rid of North America, they want it to be everything to everyone. Yeah. But it's a whole week of they have a one day business conference, they have an exhibition hall for a few days. Speaking of free stuff, a lot of these places have great professional headshots. NAPE has the best professional headshots for free. Really? That's why I always look so good in digital form. <laughs> and so I always try and get a professional headshot at these places as like normally, you know, between these hours
1: we'll have a booth. I've been in NAPE probably Five times. I don't think I've ever came across the booth.
0: You need to be as cheap
1: as I am, and you'll learn. I love it, man.
0: Uh, that's the free stuff I go for.
1: I mean, that's important, man. You got to go look good on LinkedIn and our website and everything else, man.
0: But Nape has a ton of stuff. Yeah, uh, Nape's good. It's a bunch of different things.
1: Business focus, though, really. Like, Very that one yeah, is
0: correct. A business. So it was panels of like investment analysts, private equity people. The CEO Devin spoke as as a keynote at lunch. The cool thing about that one on the business side that I'll add is they have these breakout rooms. Well, one, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. They actually broke the business conference up where they had a technical session going on at the same time as a business session. Uh So if you were in one room, you were doing one. And I jumped from one side to the other, depending on what it was. But it was still dollar focused. We'll put it that way. Like this technology is making this prospect worth more or something. Mm. But they also had these breakout rooms. And that was kind of fun because you hear like a panel of four people and they'd be like, hey, over on this room on the side, afterwards, you can ask questions. Oh, cool. And so it was a much smaller room that might be one of them. The panelists stayed for like an hour. And wow. that's cool. I was able to ask them questions and I challenged them on a couple of things. And they were like, hey, that's actually a good point. Like it was a cool back and forth. Wow. And these were pretty well known. Who- like I would never get a chance to just shoot the breeze with these folks. Yeah. So it was a cool format. Now, you went to the Thrive Energy Conference last week, correct? Yes, yes, Could I did. you tell us a bit about what it was like? Because it had some really interesting speakers. I just want to...
1: Yeah, no, it's actually a fairly new conference. Big shout out to Josh Lowry; He's a buddy of mine who helped get it started with Daniel Energy Partners. But it got started during the pandemic. Without getting into the details, they did it at Minute Maid Park. This is, I think, the third or fourth year... But anyway, so it's a business focused conference that started off at Minute Maid and it's very neat just to be able to go there. And so you walk in and it's very focused on, actually I'd say it's kind of an exhibition and a lot of speaking. Again, very business focused. They had speakers, so they'll have panel and then they'll do fireside chat. And I've never been to, the, there's just like kind of like a conference area within Minute Maid that they have it in. I would imagine they do a lot of like news stuff and after the games and stuff at this spot, maybe some of the after the game commentary and whatnot, but yeah, you get to go in and on the main sort of level, I guess it would be club level. I don't know when you basically walk in and then there's a lot of booths so you can sponsor it. You can have your booth and stuff like that. So you, when you go in and even outside in the, I think diamond parking lot, you know, they had a bunch of like frack equipment and some drilling stuff. So it was primarily focused on the upstream end of our business And yeah, it was just, again, it's still small enough to where it has that intimate feel because when you're walking the floor kind of around sort of like home base and then around like third base sort of up on the level, yeah, just a bunch of booths and folks talking and networking, but they had some really amazing speakers. They had people from ConocoPhillips, Diamondback, and really the conversation was focused around, you know, just lower 48 major basin market stuff. And with people, it was interesting because I tried to listen in to as many earnings calls as I could. A lot of the questions and answers were very similar to almost the earnings calls that just got released. So there was nothing new groundbreaking. It's like
0: a canned question. Like, glad you asked. Right, <laughs> you know? yeah.
1: So there was a lot of like interesting repetition. But again... There was some added commentary mainly because especially the ones who released early in the year weren't exposed to these low natural gas prices. So of course you can imagine a lot of the conversation was driven around commodity prices and what's being sort of the capital discipline of folks moving forward. And one that I particularly liked because it really speaks to us a lot is the CEO of h and the CEO of Precision Drilling were on a panel and they got to talk mainly about rig count, where are the rigs heading, natural gas, how's that impacting your markets, the one from Precision Drilling, talked quite a bit about the Canadian market along with the US, but HP being focused mainly here and a little bit of offshore, but not really that much. But it was a very cool conference. And what I can appreciate about that conference is for a long time, and you've done this for a long time as well, is, is going to these conferences. There's nothing been new or sort of disruptive, or we haven't really evolved as conferences, but to have it at Minimade Park added a whole nother element to the interesting experience that came along with it. Yeah, a great
0: venue. If you integrate everything with it, which from the pictures, it looked like they did that.
1: It was a very much like baseball themed executive style conference. And it's by invite only, I think, because I was going to try and buy tickets and just through networking was able to get some tickets through a Jcam actually who sponsored it. Yeah. So that was nice. But again, if you got it in a certain level of tickets, you could go do batting practice in the evenings, which again is pretty cool. And one thing that was very interesting. And again, I give it up to Daniel Energy Partners, very creative, is if you're sponsoring, you can get into the suites. And so when you go upstairs, each company has their suites. I was fortunate enough to go into a couple of them. And it's very intimate. They've got, it's almost like you have a suite for a game. You get the food, the drinks, and whoever's speaking is up on the screen. And so you don't have to actually go downstairs into the area to listen to the speaking. You can literally sit in, which is like almost the size of this area, a little bigger. You can sit there comfortably, listen very clear to who's speaking and so if you're with maybe some clients or some or if you're in an intimate setting you can listen and talk about this what's going on in the speakers so again it's just the experience in itself i mean i meant it. i ran into a lot of like really just good quality people that i needed good touch points with so again i was very very impressed with what they're doing and i hope that Just the industry in itself understands that if we want to continue to attract people to conferences, we have to probably get a little more creative. Yeah, get creative. We don't have to do the next one at like Toyota Center and then the football field. But just having these unique venues to draw people in, I think, is critical to continue growing and gaining attention for just oil and gas conferences in general.
0: I think that's a great feedback. I mean, with the AD Fluids Conference, I serve on that committee usually, and it was very, very hard to convince everybody that we should move downtown and not be up at Greenspoint anymore. And yeah, I mean, it sounds shocking, but like, that's where it always been, you know, I'd been there. Yeah. yeah, It wasn't bad. It just, it wasn't bad, but it's like, you can't enjoy the city. You can't. Yeah. You're limited. If people are coming in, like go to a more lively place, not a place where you feel like you're putting people at risk if they leave the hotel, you know? (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: And so I think there's elements of that. Like the SP conference, ATCE is great. Like when it's in San Antonio, because it's like right off the river walk and you sort of find something to do from there. But kind of the thematics of how it's composed is due for a shakeup, I think. Yeah, And I don't know what that looks like, but I do know that there's a lot more we could do without spending a lot of extra money to make it a different kind of engagement. Mm -hmm. I think that's the hard part is... It's not just the attention span, but talking about preparing, which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. But like for the drilling conference, for example, I would get proceedings like a week in advance. If you paid, you know, early enough, they would give you copies of all the papers before the conference. Yeah. So I had every paper for every session I wanted to attend printed out. I'd read through them all, marked them up, oh, questions wow. I was going to ask. That's and I knew I wasn't going to be able to. Yeah. Like you can't do that for most conferences because you don't get the proceedings that early. But I wanted to make sure that I spent my time effectively but quite honestly, the presentation is 20 minutes takes longer. You know, it's just a summary of the paper. Yeah. Like I was pretty worn out. You can't do that for two and a half days. And <laughs> it even it can
1: be exhausting. Yeah.
0: Even a three day conference, everybody in the afternoon is like, let's get the heck out of here. Yeah. And granted, there's always going to be a little of that at the end of a long conference, but I think there could be a lot done to make people say, I want to be here for the whole thing. Mm -hmm.
1: And it probably isn't more papers. Right. To your point, and it was kind of interesting because they had Toby, so on for Thrive, second last speaker was Toby Rice, which everyone loves. I say everyone, everyone in oil and gas loves hearing Toby Rice speak. (laughs) I don't know about everyone else in any other industry, but again, so there was a lot of people that stayed for that. And I think after him who closed it out was the CEO of EOG, which again, everyone wants to listen. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell that they strategically placed them towards the end to have people stay, which again, I don't know how many people were there towards the end. I saw Toby's, but then I had to leave after that. So it didn't take me six hours to get back to Katie. But again, that would be enough to kind of keep people in is having, people towards the end and again they had an, And most conferences have an agenda who's speaking this and that but to your point i think preparing can go a long ways especially if your company's going to set you up with travel and pay for you to be somewhere It's just, the more preparing you can do the more roi you're going to get out of the conferences
0: yeah what's interesting is like you said you always sort of walk away with a few significant nuggets mm-hmm. and that was certainly like NAPE, which is way more business oriented. There were a few strategic things I picked up on that I said, okay, for AES, I think we have a few things we need to, you know, even if we're already doing it, we need to position ourselves a little differently. Yeah. That's really good because it sort of offers some direction. The other thing was, of course, I walked around with Josh and Josh isn't afraid to ask very difficult questions to people who aren't prepared for them. But he was asking specific questions about natural gas production and all that. And it was interesting because he was actually talking to the people that write the checks, not, you know, when you ask a drilling manager, like, Hey, y'all going to lay down any rigs? Cause natural gas price is going down. Well, I haven't heard anything or, Oh, we might be like, that's very different than I have updated my models and this is where we need to be. And that means X. It was different to see that. Cause you don't, those are reservoir finance people. So I got a different
1: flavor of things, which is really for, cool. Cause yeah. for us as a business, folks like yourself and James Strickland, the executive vice president and people to have your finger on the pulse of where the money's flowing really helps us dedicate resources to certain things. Like if we know what somewhat's coming around the corner, then us as a business can strategically plan for that too. Instead of being extremely reactive, which we somewhat are, I mean, drilling yeah. in itself and rig count is very it's the
0: nature of it. Yeah.
1: yeah. But yeah. the more you can be tied to where the money's going helps you hopefully be a little bit quicker to the punch and As they like to say, skating to where the puck is going to be, not where the puck is.
0: Yes. I'm sure you've heard that. That, in fact, was used at the NAEP conference. But yeah, I guess the big picture thing is, like, the program comes out ahead of time. And so you can go through and you can highlight, I want to be here at this point in time. And you're going to get lost in conversation with people. And you're going to get whatever you're But, like, make some calendar reminders. Like, make sure a lot of your time is spoken for where you can say, okay, I really want to be in this technical session. And sometimes I try and be structured about it, but sometimes there will be certain kind of people that I really respect in the industry, and I will follow that, like, where is Fred Dupreece going to go? You know, what's he going to listen to next? Or just something like that, where it's like, okay, this is a thought leader, like, I want to see what they're interested in right now. Of course. But know where you want to be for the papers, be prepared and attentive, I think the other thing is, like, find out who's going to be there, put it on LinkedIn, like, hey, I'm going to be here. Anyone want to meet up yeah. and try and arrange some meetups? Yeah. But as much as I just keep talking about scheduling, give yourself some space to be flexible and available. Because oh, yeah. you're going to bump into somebody and say, let's go have a beer right after this. Or let's coffee break. Let's go get a cup of coffee across the street, you know, because there's a lot of people there that probably aren't going to make their go out of their way to be available to you. They've got other priorities and other things. But if they're there you're like, you know what? I'd love to chat for 10 minutes. They'll give you that time. And I've had some great conversations with different people off of those kinds of things. I had to make sure I had the space that I didn't feel like I was missing something else. I had to know, okay, I've got time right now to talk to so-and-so and they're standing right over there. Yeah, That kind of thing. So plan, but don't plan too much. Right. No, that's a great point. And if you can follow somebody, around, especially if you're new at this, yeah, follow somebody around who can introduce you and And also take you to different things. Like I was lucky because my dad, like when he was in his consulting era, I was going to these conferences, but he would sometimes just go. And other times he would go because he was representing a client or whatever. Yeah. And so I just remember the OTC, like I walked around offshore technology conference and like we're chatting it up with somebody for a few minutes. You bump into like in the hallway and they're talking and you're hearing, oh, this is pretty interesting or whatever. And then you kind of walk away and it was like, oh, who is that? It's like, oh, that's the CEO of Weatherford. And like, I didn't know who they were. Yeah. But like he knew all these people. I didn't. And so it was just kind of even if it's not that level of introduction, it's always fun. And there look, there's a cast of characters at these places, right? Like there are certain people, you know, are going to argue after every paper or they're always interesting to see them present because of how opinionated they are or whatever, and if somebody can kind of loop you in, it can be a lot more fun because you're like, wait, why is that guy being so aggressive? It's like, they're always like that. Right. Like that's why no one's all wound up.
1: Right. Yeah. No, it's funny. And I was going to say that adding to another element of this is just like conference etiquette oh, and gosh. like things not to do if you're at a conference or you're trying to network. Again, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, but over time you can tell people can go there and they're very eager and mm-hmm. they've got their cards ready and they're just ready to just give you this pitch. I ran into a guy and I felt bad afterwards, mainly because you could tell he just really had no level of self-awareness. From the time I saw him in the parking lot to the time we finished eating lunch, and he was with another group that I was there to meet, and he didn't stop talking about his new company that he had started and, like, how it was going to be revolutionary. Everyone around him was kind of like, okay, like, that's enough. Like, we understand what you do and how you're going to, like, change the game, but you're literally talking about, everyone's trying to talk, and you're just talking over everyone. And it's your company, you're the CEO, yes, we get it. You know, I say, all oh, it was just kind of a funny deal. And again, I don't know if this gentleman had maybe not been to a conference where there was other people or what, but yeah, it's always good to listen, ask good questions, but don't go there as like someone who's going to walk around and give your business card and tell everyone about your new company. Then they should call you for a meeting.
0: Yeah. Don't do that. Your strongest sale is through subtlety and humility. I think, well, technical conferences or business conference, there's a lot of egos, right? Because technical, it's this is all the patents, or these are all the papers I publish. Like, I'm all there is in the world of technology. In business, it tends to be I buy and sell. This is how much money I've handled, or this, that, or the other. And you could be correct on all fronts, but you're probably not going to be as successful or build as many relationships by trying to make sure everybody knows. And in fact, you sort of get typecast where people talk about you and they're like, look, this is sort of their gimmick. They're going to tell you about how great their company is and blah, 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 blah. And like, just be prepared for it. Yeah. And so then whoever meets you just has immediately kind of written you off. Like,
1: okay, I just got to get through this person going on there. Yeah. Yeah, But no, the intent is good, but overall again, conferences, they're great. I love going to them. There's so many now, especially since coming out of the pandemic, it's like for a while I was excited to go to them. And now it's like, again, there's another one. Holy smokes. Yeah. You got to use discretion. There's, yeah. And I mean, look, some of these are put on by
0: technical groups, the Society of Petroleum Engineers, American Association of Early Engineers, AAPL, like whoever, but there are like for profit conferences. And we've attended a couple. It was sort of shocking who they could get to show up, but at the same time, how they didn't do a great job of running it. Not to say that's true of everyone, but I would just say like, there's a ton of these things. Try and get a referral or get somebody else to tell you this one's worth attending mm-hmm. because you go back to cost time, like not just your time, but if you try and pitch to your boss to go to every single conference, or you're trying to get pitch to go to one that just happens to be in a cool location, but really doesn't have much that applies to anything, Yeah, you're not going to get to go right? <laughs> or you're probably not going to get to go again after you pull it
1: off once. Yeah. So, and if for the listeners out there that are field folks, you know, maybe perhaps mud engineers, Do some Googling, look at maybe some fluids conferences. We mentioned a bunch, but there may be some others and talk to your supervisor. I mean, if you're on days off and you live in a city that has a conference, I encourage you to at least ask or try to attend. And, you know, if it's $150 to get in for an exhibition, it's well worth it if you've never been to one of these. So I encourage all the mud engineers out there that, Do some Googling, figure out if there's one near you and try to attend it. You may learn something. You may make a contact or run into someone who you worked with years ago. I mean,
0: yeah. And hit us up if you want our thoughts on any particular conference or that kind of thing. We're happy to encourage you to go to the right
1: place. Absolutely. With that said, everyone, thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. If you want to reach out to us on LinkedIn, we'd love to chat with you. If you have any good questions, again, a lot of the good episodes that we've put out have been coming from the audience, asking yes. good questions, real life stuff. If you've been listening for a while, you know, we've gone through several different technical topics. There's always stuff to talk about, but if you have any questions or even just like specific well scenarios that you were curious about, please reach out. Let us know. If you don't want to reach out on LinkedIn, we've got an email. You can reach us at the Flowline Podcast at aesfluids.com. And with that said, take care, everyone. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks
0: for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for
1: informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.